0: Hello and welcome to the Grief Sofa podcast. I'm Alice and I'm Lucy and
1: together we want to invite guests to come and share their grief with us. Our aim is to cover a whole range of grief from a whole range of people.
0: We're sorry for your loss but we are glad that you have found us. Thank you for listening to the Grief Sofa podcast. So today's episode is all about how to support a grieving friend a little while ago we put out a question on our instagram and we asked you what you wanted from us and this is the topic that came up i guess the first thing i'd like to say really is if you are trying to support a friend that's grieving and you've requested this topic or you're listening to this episode you're clearly already a really great friend and doing the right thing so thank you for being here I think it's really important to know as well that when you're trying to support somebody who's grieving, grief isn't a one fits all. This means that what works for one person may not help another person. So my first suggestion would be being brave and honest by opening up the line of communication and asking your friend, how can I support you? Do you have an example for something really nice that somebody did for you after your dad died?
1: Yeah so I think in the first uh in the first week at the time actually at the time when I when dad died I had been volunteering for this Covid response um like support line and Mm. so I was on the phones like every morning for a couple of hours and I'd been doing that for probably like six weeks before he died and obviously the week that he was dying I couldn't do that so I had to kind of message them and just say that like what the situation was, and when he died, um, I let them know that he that he'd passed away, and I was obviously at my parents' house, and they messaged me and they said, you know, do you know when you might be back at your house or when you might be stopping by back at your house? And I said oh, I'll probably be there in the next couple of days, and when I got home, they had delivered a box of like cook ready meals. Um, oh, yeah, I know the ones like the really nice fancy frozen yeah. food <laughs> um and because I'm gluten-free they'd like bought all of the gluten-free oh. cakes and biscuits and all sorts and bought me flowers and I'd never met these people I still to this day have never met these people they were complete strangers we happened mm. to be volunteering for the same thing and they arranged for this like almost care package so that I didn't have to worry about cooking a meal and it was so nice it was so so lovely and it was just so thoughtful of them and it meant I could take all of that food back to my mum's house and that then fed you know us as a family for those next couple of days it just meant that it was something that we didn't have to think about
0: definitely it's really interesting that you said that as well actually because um somebody actually asked the specific question Of is it helpful to take somebody food in the early few days? (laughs) Yeah, like somebody literally said, like, is it helpful to send give someone a casserole? Because that's sort of like the the generic thing that you do is like bake like take somebody a casserole so they don't have to think about food. And I think it is probably quite helpful in those early few days when you're just trying to like muster through and yeah, eating in those first few days it sounds ridiculous but it becomes quite a complex task when somebody's just died
1: yeah I mean cooking and shopping is quite well I've personally have found it so much harder since dad died I've never struggled with going and doing a food shop before but now I literally will only do one food shop a month and I go and I stock up on everything that I can and put stuff in the freezer because it's such a big task for me now because it's such a big energy like drain and it just feels so maybe it's heightened because of the pandemic but Mm -hmm. that energy that it takes to be in a busy environment to do that kind of stressful big shop it just like I avoid going to the shops completely really
0: but 100% 100%
1: yeah, just having people looking out for you in those first days, in those first weeks, and and those those meals where you really you can't think of anything after you've been sitting all day either talking to people about your loved one or you're planning a funeral. Like there were so many meetings, I can't believe how much admin came after. Like so much sudden admin came after his death to just organise a funeral. It takes yeah. up so much brain power that you're like God, the last thing you're thinking about is what
0: you want to cook to eat yeah definitely and I think actually you know you spoke about those sort of early few days and weeks and it can feel quite overwhelming I don't know if you found this or not but in those first yeah few weeks you can be inundated with texts with a lot of people saying let me know if you need help and actually I think by leaving it open-ended it can be quite difficult so I think I'd suggest sort of If you're offering somebody help who's been newly bereaved, try and specifically say what you're going to help them with. So, like, let me do your food shopping for you. Or, you know, can I walk the dog for you? Or can I take the kids for school? Because otherwise, you know, you're swamped with all of these offers of help. But actually, you don't know how to navigate it yourself. And you don't know how to, like, designate or... allocate those tasks to people so sort of like I think you've really got to put yourself out there and it's being really proactive this is what I'm doing
1: yeah yeah absolutely and actually one of the other massive things that somebody did for us was that um you know we've I've got a dog Alfie he's a Springer Spaniel like he's he's a good (laughs) he's a really good lad but and I care about him an awful lot and I didn't Mm. want to think about what I was going to do in terms of looking Mm. after him because in those, I mean, because we knew that dad was going to die. And then that week of him running up to him dying, you know, none of us wanted to leave the house. None of us wanted to leave his bedside in case he died whilst we weren't there. And actually um, a really lovely friend of mine and her family took Alfie for two weeks. So the whole week that dad was was dying and the whole week afterwards as well, Mm. so that we could get all of the funeral and stuff sorted that he wasn't under our feet, Mm. and they even brought him along to the to dad's procession so they stood out the front of their house and we drove by and Alfie was there bless him and it was really you know they just they sent me pictures of him to show that he was fine and they were just so Mm -hmm. great I just I don't know what I would have done without that level of support and it was just there was no questions they were like yeah yeah we know this is you know I texted him and said "Look, it really looks like dad it might be towards the end of his life is there any chance that you can have Alfie for a few days like I don't really know how long it might be and they were like it's fine it's open-ended yeah. he can be with us for as long as you want we're here you know you don't need to worry about him we'll just look after him until until you want him back like it's fine even if that's weeks you know we will have him and that is one of the best gifts that anybody could have given me
0: I think yeah sort of like just taking one element of that grieving person's life like one responsibility if you can look after that responsibility it is a huge 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 weight lifted um Because yeah, everything just feels so monumental and there is so much to do when somebody dies. And actually, I wonder whether, I don't know whether you had this at all, um, but like now, I think if one of my friends died, I would put myself forward to um, ask if they needed any help with that admin or, you know, funeral stuff, because there's so much to do. And obviously it is quite personal, so some people might not want your help in that situation but you know putting yourself forward and, and offering help in that in that case might be a good thing to do.
1: Yeah absolutely and I think as as, think, as time goes on as well it's you know if you know that somebody has to clear a house out or clean, clean out somebody's belongings mm. from somewhere uh, which is so often the case when somebody dies especially if it's a you know if it's a parent and it's the only parent that you've got left and they die and suddenly you've got this huge task of sorting out all of their stuff and their house and if you're an only child or even if you're not if you're just doing a lot of it on your own having mm. a friend <laughs> who will step up and go like actually i'm here for this you know i know yeah. this is going to be really heavy and i know this is going to be really big and i want to offer you that level of support and i think it's just about being aware that The situation is bigger than you but that doesn't mean that you can't be part of of it you can't it's not that you can't be part of that story because you're not in the family yeah definitely that handout of help is just so well received in times when you know we're feeling really really low and our energy is being leaked out into all these different areas
0: Yeah, 100%. I actually had some friends that helped me clean Dad's house when um, it was like due to, it was like before the photos were taken of the estate agent or something like that and they just like came over and gave me a helping hand. And it was just so much nicer, like doing that with other people. So I didn't actually want people there to help me with his stuff because that felt quite personal, but it did really help just like having them there just to sort of do some hoovering and dusting before the estate agents took
1: photos. Things like cleaning windows and cleaning carpets (laughs) that you you really don't want to be dealing with when you're grieving. Definitely. That's so, so
0: true. I think if we're going to talk about being a supportive friend as well, you know, we've sat and spoken about the first few weeks and, you know, the immediate days after a death. And I think one of the most significant things for me that somebody should know when you're trying to support a grieving friend is acknowledging and accepting that the pain goes much beyond the funeral you know supporting your grieving friends yes it's great to have you know somebody there in the first few weeks but actually for me the best kind of support or the best kind of people that have helped me through my grief are ones that check in regularly you know years and years down the line and obviously Lucy I know you're not in this position because you're just coming up to a year but you'll you'll still have people that check in now. And what I found was that in the first few weeks, you have every man and his dog texting you, saying sorry for your loss and sending you, it's what me and my twin brother called, um, like this big paragraph. You get all these paragraphs of texts, of, you know, all this love gushing out. And that scene quickly disappears and disperses and you can be left feeling quite like alone. So I think it's really important to if you're making these promises like keep up with them so if you're saying like i'm going to be there for you to support you make sure that you actually fulfill that because yeah leaving somebody grieving is is really shit
1: yeah and i think um there's really simple ways of of doing that and reminding yourself giving yourself kind of prompts as to when to text them or um things that you can say and one of the things that I've actually done since dad died and I've you know created quite a few friendships in the grief community is that I've asked you know the closest people that I'm that I'm friends with now uh, what the anniversaries are or what the birthdays yes. are of yes. their loved ones and I've put them in my diary as a reoccurring mm-hmm. thing because every single year they're going to be a thing yeah. and I've put them in you know, for a notification to come up a week before and then like a day before, so that I've got a week before I can pop them a message and say, Hey, how are you getting on at the moment? Because I know that you're close to this anniversary or that you're close to this birthday. And then on the day before, I can send them a message and say, I know tomorrow's the anniversary. Yeah. I hope you're doing something nice. And then you kind of don't have that invasiveness of mes- messaging them unless you think, I think if people are, active on their social media or if you can if you're speaking to somebody on the day of the anniversary then of course talk about it talk about that person you know ask them what they're going to do ask them what their plans are to celebrate that person's life and to feel connected to them but don't be offended if you don't get loads of feedback from that you yes showing up and being aware and showing that you remembered even if that's because you set in a calendar alarm you still remembered something that's incredibly important to that person and that will instantly make them feel more valid in their grief.
0: 100% like I couldn't agree more and I think with regards to significant dates let's say you know the person that you're wanting to support maybe their significant person died five years ago it's never too late to start doing this like even if you've mm. not done it for the first five years, like it's never too late to start making an effort. And I think if you're unsure when the anniversary or birthday is, you could just like straight up ask them. Or if you're like me and Lucy, research search through their social media, like you'll be able <laughs> to find the days because like I know for me, I mum's birthday, dad's birthday, mum's anniversary, dad's anniversary. Like I've posted on all of them. Not everyone does. Um, but maybe if you're feeling a little bit awkward about asking, which I don't think you should feel awkward, but maybe you are, then, like, there is other ways of, um, of finding out. And, yeah, like you say, like, something as simple as a text or a thinking of you card goes a really, really long way. doesn't have to be anything monumental, like just just acknowledging that they're going to be hurting and bringing up that person is huge,
1: I think it's important on the on the flip side of that. If you've got people living with anticipatory grief, and you've got people living with their loved ones, and they know that their time is limited and their time is short, then making sure that you're fairly present over those weeks or months, potentially, that that person is going through that experience is really, really positive, because it will make them feel a lot more supported when the time comes that they that they start experiencing that grief from the bereavement
0: yeah definitely I totally agree um so anticipatory grief that wasn't really something that I experienced with my parents but I wonder whether like well I guess you just you know saying then just like consistently showing up like is this just the main thing that we need to do is just consistently show up because that's that's my biggest thing I'd say
1: I think you have to be really careful with anticipatory grief because time is really precious mm. when you know it's limited and something that's happening at the moment um, which is a really interesting and quite a t- triggering situation for me um, is that there's there's this little girl and her parents are very big on Instagram and, and sharing her story on Instagram mm-hmm. and you you may well have seen her her name is flooded everywhere um, her name is Azalea she has leukemia she's eight months old and they've been fighting this disease for, well, I think it's about six months. She's been really, really through like this awful, awful battle. And mm-hmm. you can see the impact that it's had on their family. The treatment has run out. So they've had to bring her home now and they're using these last days to, you know, have her at home and keep her, you know, as as happy as, as, as she can be, as, as comfortable as she can be but they're documenting every single moment on mm. Instagram. And I think that's really interesting because you've got this kind of insight into those last days, yeah. potentially hours of somebody's life. And it's something that you don't, you wouldn't necessarily have that kind of preview into somebody's life before. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, for me, as somebody who has recently in the last year gone through that time of being, you know, told that this is these are the last days, these are the last hours it's it's quite almost triggering being back in that situation saying that one of the wonderful things that has come from them sharing a lot of of this story and I kind of feel privileged to be part of seeing that and being part of of her journey in her life is that you get to see all the things that they're doing leading up to her death Mm. so you get to see them you know um they've had so many gifts people giving them gifts um for this little girl but also coming and doing casts of their hands or their feet and things like that you see floods of people just contacting them saying like i know that you're going through such a hard time but i just want you to know that i'm here Mm. and i think that's it like that's what people can do is just show that they're there send flowers Mm. send a card even if it's before somebody dies If you know that you get a card saying, I just want to let you know that I'm thinking of you. I know that things are hard and I know things are going to get harder. And I want you to know that I'm here. One of the things that a lot of people did just after dad died was that they sent us cards, but they would find a poem. They'd write a poem on the inside of the card. And I thought that was really sweet. That's so, so sweet.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think like from what you've just said there, acknowledgement is key. Right, like acknowledgement is key in all of this. It's just acknowledging their pain and acknowledging that it goes on for a long time and just like consistently showing up and making an effort. And like you sort of mentioned about um, like gifts or whatever. And actually I'm just gonna big you up here Lucy, because one of the nicest gifts that I've ever received was on my birthday. And you just sent me a really, really nice framed photo of me and my dad. And it was just, like, the most beautiful thing ever. Um, And I think that's a really, really lovely thing you can do for somebody. Because you don't have to, you know, spend loads of money or do anything fancy. Something as simple as a photograph is just, like, monumental. Um, It's just, like, ridiculously... I didn't even know the word. Like receiving that, just felt like the biggest support ever. It was just like one of the nicest things that someone has ever done for me. So I think that's like a really, really nice. Yeah, and actually, get someone something that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, and like on the photo front, I think one of the things that I've realised is that I have loads of photos of me and my dad in Mm. those last few years, and I could look at all of them every single day for hours and hours Mm. and hours. Mm. But as soon as somebody prints it and put it in a frame and gives it to me, it's like I'm looking at it all. It looks like a brand new photo and I'm looking at it over again. There's something about, maybe it's because, you know, we live in this digital era where everything is online, you know, very few photos are actually printed and framed in our houses. But there's something about losing somebody and having a printed photo of them in your house and given to you by somebody that shows that they're really thinking about you know you and that person I never got to meet your dad Alice but I love that picture of the two of you I think it's stunning and that's why I was like oh do you know what actually this would be a nice picture I found it on your Facebook and I just ordered it online and it was so easy. easy as that yeah and I yeah, knew 100%. that it would have that impact because I'd been given a, I'd been given a photo of me and my dad for Christmas from my little brother, and <laughs> it was like the best gift that I'd had for yeah. Christmas. Mm. <laughs> it's just I'm, I'm welling up.
0: I'm welling up thinking about it, and um, like literally just that morning, I remember you'd messaged me saying like, "Oh, I've sent you like a rogue present, by the way." <laughs> And I just like I just pulled it out of the package and honestly I was like uncontrollably shaking, <laughs> and like just sobbing, sobbing, sobbing and I remember messaging me being like oh my god I'm crying my eyes out but it was just it was like happy tears and sad wow. tears it was just such a thoughtful thing so yeah. I think we've made it pretty apparent that getting somebody a photo is a really lovely thing to do.
1: <laughs> photos <laughs> are a big tick. Food is a big tick. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, so far we've got photos, food and acknowledgement. Um, on the subject of birthdays, actually, not just it's not just the person who they've lost when the birthday is difficult, like the person who's grieving, that is the difficult time. Mm. Um so yeah if you're telling somebody at the beginning you're going to be there for them well you you know better make an effort on their birthday <laughs> to be honest <laughs> you know it, it sounds really spoiled and really silly but don't tell somebody you're going to show up and then not show up for something as important as a birthday
1: um yeah and I think the other thing on that is just to remember with any event following somebody's death that Although, uh, although joy and and sadness can coexist, there's, you know, that tinge of sadness Mm. could really, you know, my my birthday, my first birthday without my dad, I felt really, really bittersweet. I felt really sad because it just felt like i was getting further away from him mm, yeah and that's a su- really surreal thing you know some people live with that for years and years and years i can't personally say that i know what's going to happen in the next year in the following yeah. years but just because it's my birthday and i'm celebrating doesn't mean that i'm not thinking about the sadness i don't get to share this with my dad mm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so i think when you're acknowledging that if you message a friend on their birthday and you say happy birthday hope you have a wonderful day I know today will be
0: yeah
1: different and you might not feel you know you might feel bittersweet about things but I w- hope that you can find the happiness I hope that you can feel that connection between you and your mm. dad and that you can have a great day that is yeah. so much more meaningful than happy birthday <laughs> without any acknowledgement of the fact that they've had this massive <laughs> loss you know
0: happy day of birth (laughs) yeah so true it's so true gosh like we're such complicated beings to try and keep happy like that's one thing that I've certainly become aware of as well is that like as a grieving person I think we do have a responsibility to sort of accept that we're like difficult people to maybe keep happy not keep happy like we're difficult people to support because half the time like we don't even know what we want and like that sort of leads back to what I said at the beginning of just like it's so important to just open up that honest line of communication and it might sound utterly terrifying but you know sometimes you're not going to know how what your friend wants or how your friend's feeling unless you just straight up ask them you know say to them how are you feeling or ask them about that person who they've lost because well um you were talking about this earlier actually Lucy weren't you about asking somebody about the person that they've lost
1: yeah my friend actually sent me a message today um and she said to me that she sometimes felt worried about bringing up dad with me in Mm. case it was to upset me or to if I was having a good day to bring me into a bad space um and she sent me a little quote that she'd seen and and she wanted to share it with me because she was like this is exactly how like I needed to hear this because mm. I think about you and I think about your dad and I don't want to bring him up because I'm worried that I might remind you and it's something that I think is shared quite commonly in the grief community yeah. but I'll, I'll read you the quote which is if you know someone has lost someone important And you're afraid to mention them because you think you might just remind them that they died. You're not reminding them. They didn't forget they died. What you're reminding them of is that you remembered that they lived. And that is a great gift. I think that's really lovely. Like, that's exactly, that's nail on the head. Like, you're not reminding me. One of the nicest things actually was after my dad died. I had a lot of friends who I don't speak to anymore because I went to school with them. And we've all just grown apart. And my dad, my parents were always kind of like the hosting family. Like, we always, oh my God, like all the kids fine. would come to our house. And so my, my parents were like part of people's lives. Yeah. And I had a couple of people message me saying, I remember this thing about your dad. Or I remember, uh, yes. I remember when we went to your dad's college and he gave us loads of free brownies. Yes. And that was like a really fond memory. And he was really kind and really funny. And he had a big, like, belly laugh.
0: You're just gonna say big belly then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, before he had cancer, he did have a big belly. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Sorry.
0: Um, that's really true, actually. And I think if you are going to be writing somebody a card, whether it's, you know, initially they've just lost the person, whether you're sending them a card or a text, you know, a year down the line, two years, seven years, twenty-five years. Um if you have got a memory of that person, no matter how yeah, so whether it's like five years down the line, ten years down the line, if you're getting in touch with them on a significant date, if you've got a memory of that person, no matter how big or small it is, share it because when I hear random stuff about my dad that I didn't know, well I'm a mum, I guess. Um, when I hear random stuff about my parents, it's so lovely and it can be the smallest thing ever so yeah if you do have a memory of the person who's died share it with your friends because it's just like really heartwarming and really nice to like learn different things about the person that you've lost
1: yeah I mean even even if it's like oh I remember they had you know <laughs> <big> like. But that's what I mean like I remember he had a really lovely personality and that yeah. he was always trying to make me laugh even if you yeah. don't remember a specific memory the fact that that's how you remember my dad like that's really nice something if really you basic think of him and it makes you smile then that's cool like I'm really happy that you that you feel that way and <laughs> so I'd rather hear about it
0: Yeah 100% 100% and like god I remember when um when my my mum died I had all sorts of people messaging me like all sorts of things like you know somebody that I sat next to in maths like 10 years ago would like have a random memory about my (laughs) mum I
1: mean
0: it's just really nice like just sort of having these people pop up and like saying stuff so yeah yeah,
1: absolutely it's just that not I suppose I think one of the difficult things is is that we you know grief and death is so it's such a scary topic until mm. you've experienced it. And even sometimes when you've experienced it, it's still terrifying. People feel awkward talking about mm. it. You know, we don't yeah. talk about how dying matters. We don't talk about, you know, we're all scared of the idea of dying. Mm. And so it's it's a really tricky thing to start doing it's gonna feel unnatural like let's mm. be honest it's gonna feel unnatural to begin with you reaching out to somebody and saying to them hey I've just remembered this thing about your dead dad yeah that's gonna feel weird like if you've but, but not experienced it way. no but it way. if you if you as somebody who's never experienced that sh- that shared bereavement reaches out and says that that might feel weird for you but be assured that the person who's receiving that message will not feel weird about that. And yeah, when definitely. the time comes that you experience bereavement like that of your own, mm. you will understand how much those moments mean and how much those messages mean. And we'll all we're all going to be in that boat at some point. you know we're all going to have these bereavements, we're all going to have these shared experiences. And the best thing that you can do is educate yourself early on as to what works and what helps and be an advocate for those people in, the, in their grief. You know, be somebody who isn't afraid to talk about Lucy's dead dad at the pub. Like, we shouldn't be worried about <laughs> We're bringing waiting up. for someone to bring it up. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, even better if I'm in a group of my friends and one yeah. of my friends says, Hey, Lucy, do you remember that time that your dad did this thing? And then mm. everybody automatically feels more comfortable about, let's talk yeah. about the fact that you lost your dad.
0: Definitely. I think another thing as well is that, um, so this might be something that like me and you might do because neither of us knew each other's parents. Well, obviously I haven't yet to meet your mum, but... Um, you will. Well, another, yeah, I will. I will. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've been invited to the garden, like I'm loving it. <laughs> um, I think if you don't have like a first-hand memory yourself, so like if you haven't got a a memory that you've created with that person who's died yourself, if you can remember like a second-hand story, so like maybe something, I don't know, like I find it hilarious that your dad went to New Zealand on a cruise when he was like right on, on death's door. So sort of even just saying, oh, do you know what, I remember you telling me about this time.
1: It's another
0: another way of, you know, so it's not your memory as such, it's a secondhand memory, a story that you've been told or a story that you've you've learned. That's another nice thing, because it just shows that you've listened and it just shows that, you know, you've paid some attention to what we're babbling on about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, and the other side of that is that if you don't know anything about them, don't be afraid to ask. Ask. ask them what their what their like loved one did or you know what their favorite memory of them was and that's one of like one of my favorite moments in this podcast is when people go oh yeah sure I can tell you about this favorite thing Mm. and you know I now thinking about like one of my favorite memories of my dad when I was really young. You know, when you've got like memories when you were a child with your yeah, parents, yeah. and then you have mem- memories when you're an adult with your parents. And one of the things, my dad was always a bit of a joker, he always would be. And we, <laughs> when we were really young, we used to go to the pool, uh, we'd go to Bournemouth every like couple of months for a little weekend away and um, we used to go to the same pool whilst we were down there and this pool had a dolphin printed onto the bottom of it
0: classic
1: Um, and not that that's significant to this story but um, that's something that I really remember about this memory (laughs) but my dad used to do this thing called the crocodile attack and he would grab us and he would like roll around in the water and like spin us around that's and so we'd all be cute. like mm. <laughs> and it was so fun like that's my that's one of my like childhood memories of him yeah. is just being this really funny like jokey dad and just playing with us and like chasing yeah. us up the stairs before we went to bed and yeah like i mean that might be all dads i'm not really sure but like they're really specific, I suppose, to much, like their specific memories that will always sit with me. <laughs> Maybe your dad
0: did the crocodile rolling
1: in a pool in Bournemouth with the dolphin on it. <laughs> Let us know. Drop us a DM if that was you as well. Do you have you been to Bournemouth on holiday? Do you remember that pool? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh god
0: that's so funny I mean see like this isn't a sad thing to talk about I mean sometimes it is sad but you know like it us like you know you talking about your dad you're laughing your head off and so am I I mean <laughs> I don't think we're very good at serious conversations but, <laughs> but it's that's a what nice that's the thing. To do. yeah
1: it's absolutely nice thing to do. like I think it's really <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I think it's really important to acknowledge that there are times where your friends will want to talk about things and there are times where they yeah. might not. So I think it's just about learning to gauge those feelings. And yeah, if you're lucky, you'll have friends who are really, really open, like me and Alice, and won't stop talking about their d- <laughs> dead loved ones. And it will be easier <laughs> for you to open those conversations with them. But the likelihood is is that you're going to have people in your life at some point who will lose somebody and they won't know about the grief community. They won't know Mm. how to open up and it might take them a long time. Mm. If you're brave enough to say to them, look, I know that you've had this really big loss and I, I can't relate, you know, I haven't had that same loss, but I would really like to help you open up these conversations you know to help you remember to help you share those memories of that loved one like I want to hear about them I want to hear about what they were like and those things that you remembered them for and what their favorite music was or what their favorite food was so that I can cook it for you sometime you know those things I think you know the biggest lesson in friendship when it comes to grief is that you need to advocate for them it is your responsibility to be advocating for them it's your mm. responsibility to educate yourself as much as you can if you're listening to this now you're ticking a massive box you're oh, going to yeah, be huge. the best friend and
0: I mean you already are like if you're listening to it let's be honest <laughs> but if, you're, if, you're, if you're consciously making eff- an effort on how to be a good friend to support somebody when you're grieving like you're clearly already doing a lot Yeah, like you talking about being an advocate for that person has just absolutely rung bells with me. I think, unfortunately, after you've been bereaved or after you've lost somebody, I think a lot of people, like, lose interest and maybe don't want to stick around. Um, So I think, you know, be consistent, stick around, make an effort, you know, make an effort, consistently show up. And another thing um, that really, really helped me in the early days, and even now, is when it comes to arranging to see your friend, sometimes it's easier. I don't know how you found about this, but I don't know how you feel about this, Luce. So, for example, when dad had just died, I had this one friend who wanted to see me and she kept on saying let's meet up let's meet up and I was like yeah yeah let's like, see you soon see you soon and you know this went on for a couple of months and we hadn't met up so she messaged me and she was like right Wednesday the I'm going to come to Froome and we're going to meet in this pub and we're going to go for dinner and actually I sort of just needed her to make a plan for me and like tell me where to be and when because it was so difficult for me to sort of come up with that myself and just sort of having somebody tell me what we were doing really really helped me
1: yeah I think I think that's a huge I think that's a really good point and I think the other thing that's kind of intertwined in that is that you know you have to be an active friend you yes. can't expect anything from that person in that time yes without You you know you have to be the person who's leading the way on that friendship, and you're going to have to swallow your pride a little bit. If you've got shit going on, then it's absolutely fine for you to dip out. You need to look after yourself as well, but you need to make sure if you're saying that you're going to be there, if you're trying to be that friend, be an active friend. Put plans in. You know, show up at the house with some flowers and say, "I don't need to stay. I'm just here to show my face and let you know Mm. that I'm here." And if they're ready, you know, they'll let you in for a cup of tea and they'll have that conversation with you. But don't expect them to be texting you to tell them when they're free. Like, that's not a thing. In those first weeks, it's not a thing. You're never free. You're just kind of existing.
0: Even longer than that, like, oh, my God, like I still find it difficult now. I still need people to tell me now where to be. And I think that from what I took of you, from what you just said then, it doesn't from what might have been a 50-50 friendship, like you know you both put in the same amount of effort, suddenly becomes like a ninety percent, ten percent friendship. You as a group as supporting somebody who's grieving, you have to make the effort because oh my god, like we don't even have the energy to get out of bed some days. So I think you need to sort of be really kind to that person and like make allowances for them because yeah, like they've you know tired (laughs) yeah
1: absolutely and I think the other thing to remember is that if you're having conversations with that person in those weeks or months following following somebody's death know that things can feel really raw you know like they might not have the energy to Mm. deal with small life problems because the whole world feels like it's just been destroyed Mm. and they're trying to find out how to rebuild it Mm. so if you had you know quite often I don't know if you find this Alice maybe because you've experienced you know more sudden deaths but if you had a problem or if you were in the middle of having a scrap as friends you know you've fallen out about the fact that they borrowed your top and they wore it out and you you know Mm -hmm. they didn't tell you Mm really think about the impact that that fallout might have on that person because as soon as you, personally, I have friends who I was sort of like close with and then had fallen out with around the time that dad died and they didn't come back. Mm. They didn't try and reconcile. And now they're no longer part of my life because Mm. you missed a really, really big thing. You didn't show up. We didn't reconcile that friendship. And therefore you've missed too much now for me to allow you back in. So just be aware that if you've got shit between you and somebody else, like sort it out, (laughs) say to them, the water's (laughs) under the bridge, you know, like nothing is bigger than this thing. Nothing is bigger than the thing that you've just experienced. Mm -hmm. I'm letting it go. You know, I don't care about that thing anymore. I don't care about that top that you wore out. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm yeah. here because you've just had this massive life experience. And we if you really want to be friends with that person for the rest of their life and support them through the rest of their life, you need to just let whatever that is go.
0: Definitely. I think that's so, so, so true. Um, I thought you were going to start saying, don't complain about your parents in front of them. <laughs>
1: oh god well that is a, another big thing is that, that I mean, that's you, another big thing I think not just parents okay we're gonna we're gonna talk about every type of loss in on this podcast we oh, do yeah. so be
0: mindful be mindful to.
1: be vigilant you know it's now your responsibility as a friend of somebody who has been bereaved to be mindful of their loss if mm. you're slagging off your sister and you know this person's sister's just died you're doing the wrong thing yeah if you're saying that your parents moan at you too much they always ask you to do annoying things oh god my dad just really wants to spend so much time with me and I just want him to leave me alone do you know how upsetting that is do you know how much I would give to just have one more moment with my dad so Mm. just be mindful of those things Mm. 100% I
0: couldn't agree more um one of the things that People asked for us to speak about and it's probably the only thing that we haven't mentioned so far what are the right and wrong things to say now I before we sort of I'm going to ask you well I will ask you obviously I'm asking you now what you think about this I think it's really important before we talk about this though to just acknowledge that there isn't really much you can say to make it better um, it's not really about trying to fix your friend's grief it's more just about acknowledging and listening to their pain um, there's like some obvious things that you shouldn't say like we've just covered like be mindful about what you know who you're talking about or who you're maybe complaining about But have you got any sort of things that you, you know, have you got any like big no's of what you shouldn't say to a friend who's grieving?
1: Never try and justify the death. Yeah. Regardless of how that person died. My dad was sick for four and a half years. Like I know that he was suffering and I know that at least he's at rest now. Mm -hmm. But my God, I can say that. If yeah. you tell me, well, at least he's rest, you know, at least he's at peace. He's in a better place. At least mm. he's not suffering. You, like, yeah, sure. Like, at least he's not suffering. But do you know what would have been better if he never got sick in the first place?
0: Yeah, like if he lived another forty years.
1: Yeah, if he got the if he, if he and we got that gift of him having a long and healthy life until he yeah. was in his eighties or nineties. But let's not be funny as well, like that. <laughs> You, people quite often throw this in with, with older people dying it does not matter when they died like what age they are when they die, it's still not acceptable for you to try and justify their death for you to try and justify because, it, because what you're doing is you're trying to make yourself feel more comfortable with the situation, you're, tr- you're trying to justify it to y- yourself, you're trying to make yourself mm-hmm. more comfortable and in doing that you're invalidating that person's grief, yeah. you're telling them well, you should be okay because at least they're not suffering. You should be okay because they're in a better place. You should be okay yeah. because of, you know, 100%. This, this is what the plan was. This is what life, you know, life is what it is. There's a plan, you know, we're all on this path. You'll be together again one day. Like none of that helps. That's not constructive. It's not supportive.
0: Yeah. I try and shy away from telling people not what to say because I, I try and remind myself that everything comes from a good place but yeah definitely like sort of saying like they're in a better place now I mean when somebody said that to my mum and like about my mum when she was 49 I just dropped dead I was like what on earth are you on about you know yeah. there's nobody better place that she could be so I, I would say that's probably the worst thing for me that somebody could say to me um but I, I try not to be too like oh uh, Like picky or touchy because i know people are trying to come from a good place and i think that's why it's just so important just i think as a grieving friend it's just about like sort of listening like listening and acknowledging and
1: tiny gestures (laughs) that's it and let's be honest if you give the grieving person some space to talk you're gonna understand that language that they're happy using you know they're gonna you're gonna know how to communicate with that person and following a conversation about that person's death because there's certain things that you that you wouldn't necessarily know until you're kind of engaged with the grief community as to what sounds right or what words are right the right words to use what isn't Mm -hmm. offensive what is generic what is you know how do we describe certain types of death do we describe sudden death and suicide in the same way I know at the moment there's a big Kind of um, movement around not using "committed suicide" because "committed" sounds like it's, you know, a really big a action on, yeah, like a crime on their behalf. You know, something that they did in spite of something, and that's something that you know I'm fairly new to understanding a lot of language, yeah, but me too. If you actually sit and you listen to your friend who is grieving, then you'll, you'll understand. Yeah, you'll learn so much about how they want to talk about their grief, and how you can then take that language and run with it and have those conversations. They will feel more natural because you'll learn as you go along.
0: A hundred percent. I think that's so, so true.
1: So I think it's really important that we've done this episode today because, you know, it's so wonderful hearing about all the stories uh, that we have on the podcast. And we're aware that there are people listening who, who haven't been bereaved and they are friends of people who have been and are here because they're those amazing people who want to learn more and learn how to be supportive. So I think this has been really, really useful and I hope it has been. And Alice, I think to finish what we'll do is we'll kind of give our top three tips. So I would say top
0: three tips. Um, tip number one would be make a note of significant dates. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's just so important and it's just like an easy way of showing that you care and it's a time when your friend is gonna need you. Um, My second top tip for supporting a grieving friend, um, I think would be to acknowledge that the pain goes much beyond the funeral. Um, you know there's no set timeline for grief and you might be thinking that they're doing well or happy and you know they might be doing well and they might be happy but they are still going to be grieving so yeah acknowledging the pain goes much beyond the funeral and consistently checking in um my final tip I would say my final tip would be, don't be afraid to bring up the person that they've lost. Say their name, ask questions about who they were. Um, yeah, like you're not gonna make your grieving friend sad by doing that. So yeah, say their name, don't be afraid to ask.
1: I love those. I think they're three really great, great points. And I think it being being really transparent with, well, I think for me those top three things would be being an advocate making sure yes. that you are learning as much as you can about grief about the process speaking to that person understanding where they sit on that on that grief journey let's call it I really like the word journey but what else you know, can you use? <laughs> yeah see where they are with it and yeah. see if there's anything that you can do you know find resource for them maybe say to them hey I've got a friend in fact the reason why me and Alice met and the reason why I found Let's Talk About Loss is because a friend who hasn't had the same experience sent me the link or sent me a poem that was shared on the Let's Talk About Loss Instagram page So she Mm -hmm. reached out and said I saw this poem and I thought of you and that led on that led me down this rabbit hole, down this grief and rabbit hole. This is hole where that we we're here right about. now. <laughs> Absolutely. And it was her being an advocate for me and my grief yes. before I even knew that I needed that level of support. Mm. She led me to it. And yeah. that, I cannot even e- express how magical that was just having somebody saying, This might be something that might be helpful. Yeah. And for me to then figure it out, that was really great. That's a great one. And the other thing I would say is just be an active listener. You know, we're all Mm. so bad with distractions. If you're sitting with your (laughs) friend and you know that you're going to talk about their loved one, put your phone away. Try and remove distractions and be as active and as in the moment as you can. I know it's uncomfortable. I know that you're going to be running for your device to try and distract the situation. Yeah but you're talking about somebody's life. You're talking about somebody's loved one who has died. So if you can just be in that moment with them and acknowledge that pain and just sit in their sadness with them, that is such a big gift that you can give to somebody. And that just shows, that will just strengthen your friendship so much. Just be present. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Grief Safer podcast. Please subscribe, rate and review to help us reach new listeners.
0: If you have enjoyed listening and would like to join us on The Grief Sofa, please get in touch on Instagram at thegriefsofa or email us thegriefsofa at gmail.com.